listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 55 and 56 of the Read Through the Bible in a Year plan. Yeah. I wanted to say, uh, I haven't said it, we're at day 56, but what has occurred to me is... we are engaging in kind of revitalizing the oral tradition. Yeah. For thousands of years, the Bible, the words of God, the scriptures are being passed along through speaking, not just in church uh, from a, a pastor, but also around the campfire, that there are storytellers and people who were charged with talking about the things of God to the people of God. And in fact, it's this mutual conversation that does indeed grow our faith. It's how it was set up. So if you're just listening to the podcast and not doing the reading, we want to encourage you, continue to listen. This is how the story of God is transmitted through speaking and hearing. Um, and if you can, when you're ready at the right time in your life or week or whatever, it is nice to get a chance to engage it by reading. But really, this is also just as good. I don't want you to feel like you've downgraded if you're listening to the podcast and not getting a chance to read. Yeah, I mean, most of history was it's all oral transmission like everyone was illiterate yeah and so you know we forgive everyone for their biblical illiteracy <laughs> their, biblical, their little uh, hidden what's that called uh, yeah, forbidden pleasure of being illiterate at times but uh anyway it's awesome it's really fun to be able to do it so today we are where are we in the story uh we are in exodus chapters 35 through 38 uh We ended last episode with Moses coming off the mountain, seeing God again, and being in his presence to a degree that his face was shining and needed to be covered up by a veil. That's right. And then it just kind of moves on. It gets very practical after the shining face. Like, this happened, his face shined, he wore a veil, and let's get back to business. Yes. Now that we got all that golden calf stuff behind us. Um, we get back to what is obviously on God's heart. Right. So like the first thing, I think this is almost the third time he's read. This is. This is like the third This is the third time, time he has broached the subject, which is Sabbath. And yeah. you just have to start, you have to acknowledge that this must be very important and it must be very hard for us right. to keep. God cares about the Sabbath so much, he keeps repeating it. You must create this cycle of Sabbath rest, working six days, resting the seventh. He talks about this way more than he does like murder or stealing or adultery. Like this is the distinguishing mark of my people is that they will be able to have a day where they rest. But don't, don't be confused. Rest doesn't just mean do nothing. It means rest around and upon the word of God. So Mm -hmm. you gather around the words of God on the Sabbath and you remember. And then when you remember something, it allows you to rest on it in the future. And so we have a day says, do not forget to gather around my word, Mm -hmm. take a day off work and find your rest and revitalization in my word. I will meet you there. Yeah. And so that's why worship to us and Sundays and a day of not working is very important. Uh, We've gotten out of it in the last several 50 years or whatever. But even then, Paul says, don't forsake, forsake the assembling together. But it's more important than I ever realized. Yeah. We were created for it. And if you think about how Moses was just li- literally fed by the word of God for 40 days, right. he's inviting us into that. 
similar, like, you will be fed by my word. So take a day off and remember that you are fed by my words. And Jesus says, you will eat my body and drink my blood. So the connections of eating the words of God and Jesus is the word become flesh. Yeah. All these great things. But cool. So Sabbath cycles are very, very important. That's just the heart of God. So if you want to know God, you'll get to know his sabbatical cycles and rhythms. There it is. And then he gets into the contributions for the tabernacle. Like this is also have a Sabbath because you're going to, I'm going to meet with you on the Sabbath in a Mm -hmm. specific place using earthly means. Yeah. And it's going to be the, um, just like God's going to come to earth, take the body of a human and have a a human nature. He's been doing that even the Old Testament. Like I'm going to come into this tabernacle that you build and uh, here's how you're going to pay for it. So this is actually the, uh, what do they call it at a, a capital campaign. <laughs> Moses does the first capital campaign and says, we need to pay for a place to meet with God. Yeah. But this is not your tithes. This is not the first fruit that you are, of course you would give to your God who protects you and loves you. This is above and beyond. What does he call it? He says... Um, it's a voluntary yeah. contribution. Um, and I love it. So like the idea is he comes and he, he gives the vision for the place that they're going to build and and tells them what's required and then it says like the lord works the spirit moves in these people and they just come forward with all the articles needed yeah to the point that there's there's a point where the workers who are like actually going to construct it are going telling moses hey we have more than enough right and people are still giving we need you to tell them to stop it's pretty cool stop being generous yeah he says uh Moses had to stop the contribution because so many were offering. Mm-hmm. We have more than we need, and we only need what we need, which is pretty encouraging because uh, in those those kind of campaigns at churches, I'm very skeptical and critical all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's good to reread the scriptures and go, oh, you know what? You have a plan on how God has chosen to engage us. It's worth making it nice. It's worth making it um, in a way that God has set up. And it comes from above and beyond just giving general funds. So um, then after he gets all the money for it, it's literally the construction. There's actual mm-hmm. subcontractors. Yeah. And it's all under the Bezalel and Oheliab yeah. company. These guys <laughs> were filled with the spirit to do the work of craftsmanship. We remember that from a couple chapters earlier. Now they're being subcontracted out. I think of it like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to carry out the plans of God. And the thing that struck me was they aren't just going to do it themselves. It says they began teaching others. Yeah, because it's a lot of work. So passing on, even the passing on, though, of their kind of Holy Spirit skillful skill set mm-hmm. um, and creativity in fulfilling the order of God, because God really put this order in, very specific details. You know, it's like a wedding dress. Yeah. Like, I want my wedding dress to be like this. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and so God says, this is my wedding dress. I've gifted you guys. I've given you all that you need. Now, make it work. Yeah, now. So that's pretty cool. And they do. They do an amazing job. Um, They make everything. Yeah, so it is cool to, like, like, I think it's easy to, like, kind of be like, why is this included again? But it is just to, like the specific like this is what god asked for and then this is we did what god asked for yeah like these guys have made it 
to specification. And they make the arc, the table, the lampstand. So it's easy if you're reading along, this is where you start to like cheat a little bit and go, okay, I've already read this. Why are they telling me this again? Mm -hmm. But you do have to think like the original plan on the mountain, then Moses has to relay the plan. And now they're giving the plan to the actual people to make it. So, Mm -hmm. um, but if we think of it as a giant wedding dress, of God or a giant, mm-hmm. something very important to you or a house. If you've ever had a, a remodel, you have to have the initial meetings of here's what I want. They help you work out that. Then here's how much it's going to cost. And do we want to do it and getting the right people? And, then, and that's, it's just very practical. Yeah, It's so practical. God plans. He gets the right people in place because what it all really tells us is that it matters to God. Yeah. Like this, how this looks and how this feels matters to him because he's the one wearing it. Mm-hmm. He's coming to us in it. And he um, and he's God, and he has all the resources. He gives life, so it's just good. I think to me, that's kind of what it reminded me of, and it was a a different way of engaging it this time. Yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts? So it was just cool. There was that brief moment in thirty eight where uh, they mention real quick oh. that when they're making the bronze basin for washing. Yeah. Uh, which, again, I love the fact that you would have to wash yourself before yeah. you enter into the holy place. Um, we'll see that in the next chapter. Yeah. Right? The, the They made it out of mirrors, like bronze mirrors. And it says, From the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered in the entrance of the tent of meetings. And yeah. that's just that cool little footnote. And the idea that we kind of have is... There were women in front of the tent of meeting where Moses would go to meet with God, and they were singing in front of the tent of meeting. It's so surprising where singing shows up so far in the story. Like the angels at creation, he says to Job, and we know angels show up singing at uh, Christ's birth in Revelation. Mm -hmm. And then there's allusions to it here where, yeah, they just were singing at the tent of meeting, which is where Mm -hmm. Moses met with God before the official dwelling place here has been constructed. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. It's kind of cool. So um, glory be to God. Making They make the court. They have the materials for the tabernacle. And uh, and that's where we leave off. Yeah, so it's kind of simple, but it's just like, it's really cool to see the attention to detail. And, right. and then that will actually pay off in next. And the last, I have one last thought. It's just the finely, how finely crafted this is and how much thought and execution. Yeah. Now we approach God in Jesus' name. So think about the thought, the craftsmanship, the attention to detail in the Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to our New Testament reading. Our New Testament reading is Mark chapter 7, verse 31 through chapter 9, verse 1. All right. Mark is just still moving. And we have a really interesting healing today. Yeah. It's one of the more interesting ones that I can remember. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the healing where he calls a guy out, gets him private, sticks fingers in his... Jesus sticks fingers in this man's ears because he can't hear, he can't speak. It says he spits. You have to explain that to me. He touches his tongue. <laughs> and then he uses his word and says, be open. So, okay, so get the picture. You come away from everybody else. The guy goes with him. Yeah. I'm going to put my fingers in your ear. Like, Adam, Matt, can you imagine? Can you pray for us? Uh, my, my brother is, he's deaf and he can't speak. Okay. 
And if I just followed what Jesus did here, first of all, no one even knows this story. We don't like to talk about this miracle. But if I put my fingers in his ear, you'd think I'm mocking him, right? Like, can you, okay, I'm putting my fingers, I'm spitting on your tongue. I think he spit and then touched his tongue. Yes, he did. With his own saliva. Yes. And then he says, see, each one of these you think Jesus could just do without any other one. Like he could say, be opened. The guy's ears would be open. He could just say, speak. Or he could just spit. Because he does spit and touch eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. He does finger, but fingers in the ear? I'm like, my only note on this is I am not sure why, but I know he loves us all. <laughs> so yeah, tell I, me, love, tell I me. love how you put it on me to explain this yeah. to you. I, I would love to hear what you have to say, because I feel like <laughs> if anyone could pull this one off, you could do the ear spitting tongue touch. Okay. Well, honestly, I have no logical reasons for why Jesus did any of this. I know, but you have, I know um, you have some emotional. But the, I mean, the idea I get is God is not like, Jesus is not taking a cookie cutter approach to any of these. Yeah. He's meeting people good. where they are at and he's doing something that's probably restorative to these people. Yeah. So like he touches people who probably haven't been touched in a while, who, ceremonially are unclean who are just actually unclean who are outcast and so he moves this guy from the public arena which he doesn't do all the time but he does from time to time he moves him away and he he's touching him he's Mm -hmm. he's touching the areas of affliction areas that have been a source of shame yeah and um i don't fully understand the spit thing other than it's like, kind of intimate. Yeah. It's a sharing. Like, I don't know. You're getting me thinking here. Uh, as I'm relooking, he had a speech impediment. Yeah. Because so he could talk, but it was embarrassing. Yeah. He was probably made fun of a lot. Right. And so it is a very emotional healing. Like, come here. Uh-huh. Let's get away from the bullies and all mm-hmm. the people who've made fun of you. And they begged him to lay a hand on him. So he takes him privately away. And... Um, I don't know the fingers in the ear, but I was just thinking maybe spit is kind of like, I don't know, some kind of baptismal thing, you know, like yeah. something to do with water and it I don't is know, like it, speaking. It, and um, the idea, too, that's coming to my mind right now is uh, um, when, oh, my gosh, who was it? Was it who was the one who said, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips? Who was that prophet? Uh, Isaiah. Was it Jeremiah? Isaiah? One of the two big guys. He has a vision, and God touches his lips with coals to purify him. Like it's almost like you're being touched by the word of God, yeah. and you're being your your tongue is being freed up. And then Jesus sighs. He sighed, looking up to heaven. He sighed, like, and he says, "Be opened." And that sigh does make me. I, as you were talking, I was thinking Jesus is being so compassionate here. It's like I love you. It's like a child who's mm-hmm. been made fun of, and you're kind of trying to heal their bloody knees and, and uh, band-aid up their palms that have fallen. Like this poor guy mm-hmm. had been made fun of. He can't hear himself. He's been making noises. You, did you ever go to the deaf village with us to yeah. Jamaica? Yeah. Remember like playing soccer? Oh, yeah. It's all deaf, but it's so loud because they're it just making, loud, they're yeah. having a great time kind of squealing and yelling mm-hmm. and they don't know. And I just imagine that's if you're in a, in a, um, like a city setting or a village so I think uh, the way I'm reading it this time around is Jesus is just, this is a really compassionate. So maybe there's mm-hmm. more touching. There's more, um, and even sign language now I'm thinking about, like touching the ears. Like he can't say, I'm going to heal your 
Yeah, he's he's oh, letting like him that. know what he's doing. Yeah, it's like because Haley does like American mm-hmm. Sign Language, and I he can't just say I'm gonna heal your ears. Mm-hmm. So he puts his fingers in his ears to say I'm gonna unplug them, mm-hmm. and then the guy can hear. Mm-hmm. And he touches his tongue. I'm gonna loose this so you can yeah. speak. That even as I'm speaking, I'm using like yeah. uh, sign language. Oh, Jesus did sign language, man. I think that's a safe. Uh, I like that. That doesn't hurt any other theological. No. Uh, We're good. We're figuring word? it out. Okay, it's good. But. So all that to say, man, Jesus is compassionate and loving, and he meets us where we've previously been mocked. Right. The way we can handle it. Mm-hmm. He did sign language, man. Yeah. Cool. All right. And then, you know, no big deal. Let's just move on. And no big deal. Let's just feed another 4,000 men. Yeah. Not so counting we, their families. We see, and the idea, again, is they're in another desolate place, which means Jesus and his disciples were probably trying to get away yet yeah. again. And people <laughs> follow them to wherever for three days, I think. Yeah. It says they followed them. And this, I, this time, though, Jesus kind of wants to feed them. Like last, the, the first one where there's 12 baskets left over. Yeah. The disciples are like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This time, I feel like Jesus is a little more... He's going, okay, I really want to feed him. He'd been with me now three days, and they have nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he does the same thing, though. He says to his disciples, um, feed him. And they're like, how? And I do feel like what he just did to the, the guy, he has to do with the disciples. <laughs> like unplug their ears and their eyes and their yeah. hearts and their tongues. Because they, they've already seen this. And they're like, how are we going to feed these people? And Jesus' response is, how many loaves do we have? Seven. Okay. So he does the exact same thing. He directs them to start handing it out. There's a few small fish in this one. And then at the end of it, there are seven baskets full. So now they've seen Jesus feed 10,000 or 5,000. Yeah, 5,000, now 4,000. Now 4,000. And again, they're only counting men. They're not counting women and children. Right. And then there's been 12 baskets left over, and now there's seven baskets left over. Right. Um, and I do want to point out that they are in the region of the Decapolis, so this is a way more Gentile population, like a higher Gentile population before. Um, Interesting, yeah. So they're on the other side. of They're, like, on the eastern side of Galilee. Um, and so he is, like, ministering to a more Gentile nation. Okay. Uh, more Gentile crowd. And so... Uh, then you have the Pharisees. So they are like the deaf, the, the um, blind. They are demanding a sign. To me, it's ironic. Like Mark puts it here because I think they're all shocked. Like Mark wants us to be shocked by the fact that Jesus just does miracle after miracle. And then these guys go, we want a sign. Like what? You just fed right. all those people. And I guess if you're, um, if you're a realist or something or you don't believe... Even if you see a miracle, mm-hmm. you would doubt your own senses mm-hmm. before you believed it was a miracle, right? Yeah. So you'd be first to say, I saw it wrong. I can't trust that person. There's something that has tricked me rather right. than go, he's done a miracle. Right. So that's where the Pharisees are at. And Jesus sighs deeply. Yeah. So just when he healed one guy, he sighed because of the pain. Yeah. Now he sighs at the pain of the unbelief and the hard hearts that when your heart is hard, there's no way for God to move it. Yeah, and I think too, like if you if you compare these two, they are the deaf children with speech impediments. Yeah. And he's like, ugh. 
but they're mean. But they are not going to allow Jesus to stick his fingers in their ears well, and, and touch their tongues. He says, I'm going to do the opposite for you, Pharisees. Um, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Yeah. Which is funny because he's already given so oh, many yeah. signs and miracles. And um, then he left them and got into the boat again, went yeah. to the other side. And he's like, deuce. <laughs> the whole story is Jesus trying to escape the party. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's following him. Yeah. And they're either following him. So either him fight him or love him. To love him and get healed by him mm-hmm. or to stop him, mm-hmm. to hate him and stop him. So now we have a little moment between the disciples and Jesus. <laughs> and of all the things, like they're, instead of them going, this is amazing. Right. I can't believe it. How did you do that? Give us this power. They're still hung up on, um, it, are we going to be able to eat in a couple hours? I'm already hungry. I'm we kind could, of... We only got one loaf on the yeah. boat with us. I don't know. They'd forgotten to bring bread. Yeah. And they had one loaf. And then uh, he cautioned, Jesus says, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He knows they're thinking, I know you guys are freaked out about yeah. bread, but you really need yeah. to be thinking about the, the real enemies here. And so they're like, what? <laughs> oh, no. He knows we have no bread. Yeah. He's upset then, with us because we don't we didn't plan ahead. So it actually says they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So like that becomes their issue. Just like little kids, you know, like uh, it's so classic. So Jesus, aware of this, says, Why are you discussing the fact we have no bread? Don't you perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Which I think he in that Jesus is really identifying them as the blind, the deaf, and the Pharisees. Like, yeah. you don't remember this God that you started following all these rules right. about? And then Jesus has to just straight up remind them of where they just literally came from. Yeah. Remember when I broke five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces? And they're like, 12. I love how he makes them respond. Yeah, how many? What is it? What, 12? <laughs> and the seven for the 4,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take? They're like, seven... And do you not yet understand? And he drops the microphone. <laughs> and it is like our lives. Like, like I'm going through, yeah, I'm always going through things and it, I have to either have a moment by myself or my wife or you have to go, do you have a wife who loves you, Adam? Yes. Are you healthy? Yes. Are you eating and clothed? Y- yes. <laughs> but I might not be tomorrow. <laughs> and so Jesus has to drop the mic. And say, right. And he doesn't even finish that conversation. No, it's just over. Yeah, it's over. But I think, too, like what we're seeing is like the uh, points that these authors are trying to make. So he ends the conversation and Mark goes into a story with a a blind man. Yeah, so it's in front is the deaf and feeding five thousands, Pharisees, disciples and Pharisees right now are more similar. Right. And now we go to the blind man at at uh, Bethsaida. Bethsaida. And this one's interesting too. Yes. It's a different one, which makes me think both of these are about the condition of the disciples. Right. So this guy, he finds a, a blind man and they begged him to touch him. It's all about touch. And, and he does the spit thing again, yeah. does the spit model. Spits on his eyes, probably to let the blind guy hear. See, yeah. so this time it's like he was letting the deaf guy see. Right, and, and feel, yeah. yeah. So, yes. And, and this time he's letting the blind guy hear. As he hawks up a, a loogie. Yeah. Oh, that's too graphic for our listeners. I'm sorry. Um, sometimes <laughs> the Bible gets real. <laughs> but I got too real for it. Okay. So he spits. 
And then he says, uh, and lays, so puts his spits on his eyes and lays his hands on him. Mm-hmm. Says, do you see anything? And this one, it seems like it doesn't work fully. Right. Because the guy says, I see men walking like trees. Yes. So he kind of sees, but not fully. And then Jesus does it again, and his sight is fully restored. And then he says the same thing. Don't enter the village. Don't make a big deal about this. But um, I don't know if this guy does or not. But Yeah, we don't know. But our thought on it is he represents the disciples right now. They see... But not clearly. They see, but not clearly. Right. They see men walking as trees. Uh-huh. Which I think is why Jesus did that. Like, he's starting to use his miracles now as teaching for the reality of how we see and how yeah. we understand and how we hear. And he's like, disciples, you guys, you don't fully see it yet, mm-hmm. but you will. Yeah, you, you will. will. And so yeah. then he heals the man by doing it a second time. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not for lack of power or the trick didn't work. It's a teaching yeah, moment. it is. And for good reason, because Mark then puts the pinnacle of teaching moments, like the moment where the disciples finally open their eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's in Peter's confession uh, in response to the, who do people say that I am? Yeah, so... We have them. They're now in uh, Caesarea Philippi, which this is now the region that uh, Herod Agrippa's brother is in charge of, uh, Philip, uh, whose wife he stole. Um, Weird. Yep. So this is where they're at, and uh, this is where he asks his disciples, all right, who do other people say I am? And then they start giving... Descriptions, and I'm always baffled when people when they're like, "Oh yeah, people thought you were John the Baptist," but I do realize that their minute, like John the Baptist's ministry, ended right around the time Jesus's ministry began, right, yeah. and so because he was honestly there to announce it, yeah, and so I and you know we don't have like the they don't have the freedom of information that we have, <laughs> so like obviously it would be easy, and they were cousins, so they like probably looked similar. John the Baptist's. Uh, Facebook went kind of silent. Yeah, and then and Jesus like, popped and up. And then Jesus took it over. Yeah, and they're like, are they the same guy? I don't know. That's funny, man. Um, so that, that's that been something, but I've been working through it and realizing, like, oh, they are cousins. And I think one, his ministry began as John's ended. Right. And so it does kind of feel like, wait, did he come back from the dead? Like, is that something that happened? I don't know. It shows their willingness to believe, like, that, yeah. too. Like, they even, it's a little more superstitious yeah. and or, scared. Yeah, they don't know what's going on. And then it's Elijah or the prophets. And then he just gets even more to the point and says, yes, but who do you think I am? Right. And you know, um, this isn't in today's reading. It's coming up tomorrow, the next day. The transfiguration comes Mm -hmm. after Peter confesses him. I know. I didn't. So I never understood that. So like Peter confessed Christ purely by faith. Right. And then Christ shows him his divine nature. Yes. It wasn't the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I think we find that. We have faith, and then we start, our eyes are opened. We don't see men as trees walking. We see the hand of God all around us. Mm, and that's our, good. We I see like the that. divine nature of Christ. Well, so he says, you are the Christ. And we know from other gospels that Jesus says, um, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Peter. Yeah. This is from God. Mark just says, boom, you're right. And then they move on. Because <laughs> know, Mark. Uh, just cutting it to the... Because Mark knows Jesus needs to get out of there. He's yeah. probably already exhausted. <laughs> and um, 
This is really the human nature of Christ, all this running around oh, on boats. And it's like it's so good. It's like Yakety Sax is playing in the background, that song. And then Jesus goes across Galilee, goes across here, goes across. Anyway. Um, but now it gets serious. He says, right after Peter's confession, good job, Peter, you got it. Now, now you guys need to hear this again. Jesus is going to say Mm -hmm. this three times. I'm going to be handed over to the scribes and the Pharisees. They're going to humiliate me, mock me, and crucify me, but I will rise again. Mm -hmm. And Peter says, no, I'll never let you die. He's so, like, what we do when we got a a right answer. It's like, I'm all in. You just affirm me in my faith, Jesus. I'm totally, I'm all in. I know who you are. Yeah, you even said it. And now I'll never let anything bad happen to you. And Jesus kind of looks at him like, you can't control anything f- bad happening to you, Peter, mm-hmm. to yourself, let alone mm-hmm. me, and that is not the plan. Mm-hmm. And so get behind me, Satan, You, uh, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man, which is always our issue. We're trying to solve the, the solution that God presents. We try to carry it out for him. Yeah. And it's like, no, you, the deal is you get, like you were saying, Matt preached yesterday. Yes. And his punchline, we call it a punchline at the end, was Jesus says, you get behind me. Let me lead. Yeah. Which I thought was a great punchline. And um, anything else on that one? No, I said everything I needed to say on that yesterday. I know. That's why. It is funny. Yeah. Well, like, huh. well here's what I heard. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just a beautiful contrast of being affirmed. Your faith is amazing. And then you're trying to carry out the faith in your own strength. So settle down and get behind Jesus. And stop at, stop um, lining up with the mind of Satan, which is let's accomplish things on your own. Yeah, let's blow this thing up. You can't trust God. So he calls the, the crowd and he says, a famous idea, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you would save your life, you'll lose it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And I really like this line because I understand it a little better than the previous ones. Uh, he says, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels? Mm. Um, and then he says, some of you are going to see this kingdom begin. Yeah. So he's saying, look, you're going to see the resurrection. This is why I believe the kingdom of God is at hand, and then it is inaugurated. It begins with Christ's resurrection. Right. So these guys saw Christ's reign. He ascended mm-hmm. to the right hand of God the Father, and he will come from there to judge, right? It's yeah. the Apostles' Creed. But it begins, the new age begins at Christ's resurrection, where he is crowned as king in his full divine glory. But that, how about those words of Jesus? Like, you want to know the, the key to life? Lose your life for my sake and you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And if you are ashamed of me... I'll be ashamed of you. Oh, man, this is why we need the gospel. Because right. you know what? I've been ashamed. All right. I've been ashamed and I deserve Christ to be ashamed of me. But the gospel is, he forgives me. Right. Forgive me, Lord. He says, I do. And when you ask for forgiveness, I'm not ashamed of you. You're my boy. I would be ashamed, though, if you never came to me with repentance and you thought you could lie. You know, think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is serious stuff, Matt. I know. But it's good news for us because it's not you better, you, you better be good. It's, it's uh, you just need to know where life is. And sometimes the life you want, it's going to look like death. Yeah. 
and we're gonna work, walk through some death. First. And that's the hardest thing to get. I just want to fight that right. death momentum and go never. Which is and, what Peter was doing. And Jesus says, "Yeah, you're gonna have to just get behind me on this one. Mm-hmm. Let me take the wheel." But we could crash. Yep. And you, or you could just find your life. Mm-hmm. Woo. All right. <laughs> I don't even know how to play anymore. <laughs> Let's do a little uh, psalm, psalm work here. All right. Today's reading is Psalm 25. We're going to do 16 through 22. I will give a little shout out to the Proverbs. Today, it had a nice little proverb about the sluggard. Go to yeah, the ant, oh sluggard. So be industrious. Use your time yeah. wisely. Um, so that's a good one. We'll, we'll come back to the Proverbs in later days when there's... Uh, when we feel like it. <laughs> it's all wisdom. But uh, let's hear the Psalm 25. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll see you next time. <laughs>